I'm Steven. And I'm Kevin. In today's episode of the Steven and Kevin Show, we're going to talk about checklists for financial advisors. Welcome back to episode number 71 of the Stephen and Kevin Show. Today we're going to be talking about checklists. Kevin, why checklists? Well, the checklists are everyone's favorite topic, right? I mean, they're such an exciting and fun topic to get <laughs> into. Actually, that, that's usually the, it's, it's the contrary to that. But look, checklists are important for a couple of reasons. One, consistency within your business, right? Um, two, training people. Three, also, I was thinking about this the other day. What about just the value of your business? If you have set processes and procedures within your business and you get to a point where you're Hey, your, your business is on the market. It seems like it would be more valuable. Oh, infinitely. And you know what's funny to me is that the people who most need checklists don't use them. And the people who least <laughs> need checklists true. use them all the time. Yes, because there is an extreme of this. Like I was talking to an advisor who had over 100 different checklists for every little piece of his business. And when I was talking to one of his team members, I had a coaching. He wanted me to coach one of his team members. And I said, so how often do you use all these checklists? He's like, man we don't use them. He's like I he's like I really don't use them and he's like there's a couple that we use consistently but other than that we don't we don't look at these things. Yeah, so I think as with many of our recommendations we're advocates of this concept but in moderation. And I think you could say that with pretty much any practice management concept that you know with marketing it's one thing. If you get carried away in a certain marketing initiative, it's probably a good thing and you want to go nutty with that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but on a practice management level of how you run your business you want to use all of these things. You want to use them well, but you can't get absorbed into it to a point to where this is all you're doing every day is building out checklists and standard operating procedures. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's at the cost of the behavior you're actually looking for. You're looking to be more efficient, and you're actually becoming the opposite. So today we're going we're gonna to shortcut that process by telling you what checklists we think you ought to have. Mm -hmm. We're going to give you some examples of those, and we're going to talk a little bit about some tips to help you do this more effectively than most. Yeah, you know, a lot of this derived or, you know, came out of the book, um, The Checklist Manifesto. It's by Atul Gawande. It's such a good book. Grab a copy of this. This um, We've gone through it a, a number of times, and he has a number of case studies. I mean, the guy's a, a, a surgeon, and he talks about how doctors can use checklists. And if look, if a doctor can use a checklist, you can use a checklist too, right? Um, now, to your point, Stephen, about overdoing this or you know you're becoming less efficient because you have too many checklists within an advisor's business how many checklists do you think that they should have mm, that's a good question eight to ten maybe yeah that's what i was thinking too there's probably eight to ten kind of core processes that that you do on a regular basis that are check worst checklist worthy yeah and we realize we probably shouldn't give that disclaimer getting into today's session because the vast majority of people out there don't have any checklist or standard operating procedures at all. Mm -hmm. So for many of you out there, this is going to be something that should be started rather than something that should be scaled back. So uh, checklist tip number one, define a clear starting point. Think about this for a second. Think about if, if you put, if you gave the task, you know, one of our events, we, we should totally do this. Um, have everyone create a checklist for, for boiling an egg. Okay. So like we, we, we would tell everyone, okay, start writing a checklist for boiling an egg. Now, different people would, I bet you would have a number of different checklists, but you'd have a, t a ton of different starting points. So you'd have some people who would say, well, step one is, you know, turn on the, the stove, right? Boil the water, right? Or step or some, one being uh, be hungry for an egg. Be, or step one <laughs> being drive to the grocery store and buy eggs, right? So 
you need a clear starting point. Like what is the, the trigger that says, okay, once this happens, then we start executing the checklist. That's the word for it, Kevin. Trigger yeah. is the word mm-hmm. that says, yeah. hey, when you, when you take on a new client, right. when that paperwork arrives, that's what triggers this checklist. Exactly. So, uh, and by the way, we're going to yeah. use terms like checklist today. That's going to be the core of it. But you can look at this in different angles, standard operating procedures, your manual, if all of these are compilated into one, one area. Yep. Uh, but today we're talking about checklist. Uh, number two here, uh, the tip that we're going to offer when it comes to checklists is to focus on the most essential steps. There is a big difference between instructions and a checklist, right? Instructions would give you infinite detail and would allow someone who has never done this process before to actually complete it. Checklist is designed for someone who already kind of knows how to perform the tasks, but wants to make sure that they're not missing any critical components of that task. Number three. Don't overlook formatting. Mm. So if this is a, a checklist that's been scribbled down with somebody with poor handwriting, <laughs> it's, not, uh, uh, it, it's not as uh, cool as if you had one. Uh, you'll notice in, in the guide that we have for coaching clients and in our learning center, you know, they've been well formatted. They're yeah. things that look like they're official. They look like you should stick with it and maybe have it posted on your desk somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You could laminate it, right? You could, you could use it. In a number. It, it needs to look nice, mm-hmm. right? Um, Number four is you don't need a checklist for your checklist. And th- this is to our point earlier of like there's probably eight to ten core checklists that you should have. And people overdo this w- without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Number five, if your team doesn't believe the checklist is useful, it is worthless. So mm. we say that to mean that this ought to be a collaboration. It shouldn't be that the team leader goes into a hole and says, you know what? I'm going to make sure everybody's doing their job right. <laughs> and I'm going to make a checklist for everything they do to make sure it is spit, shine, and polished. Now, this is more of, hey, Kevin, let's, let's sit down and go through. I want to make sure that we document some of, uh, of what you're doing around onboarding new clients mm-hmm. just so that we, you know, we have our 8 to 10 most critical functions documented and established. Let's work together to create this. Yeah, and that you get buy-in, right? And when people feel like that they're a part of the process, they're way more likely to actually implement and it. And you're letting them know this is an overall effort of the business. We're going to build out eight or ten of these most important checklists. This is not an effort to get you to, to, to write down and document all of what you're doing so we can replace you, right? Because <laughs> you get some people who are like, hold on, you want me to write down everything in, in specific order? Um, very true. Should I be looking? That's very, very true. Um, number six here, and this is the close cousin to number one, which was create an endpoint for your checklist, right? I mean, if you have a, a clear starting point, you need a clear endpoint as well, mm-hmm. right? That checklist also should have a home. Like if it's, if it's going to be a physical document and someone's actually going to complete it, like where does it go once it's done to document like, okay, this, this has been completed? Right, absolutely. So those are in general tips. I think it's going to be more helpful for you to hear some real life examples of the types of checklists that we recommend. Again, this is all, uh, we have a guide called Essential Checklist that lives in the Learning Center. Mm-hmm. If you have some interest in that program, uh, you know, check it out. It's a, it's a great, uh, great series. But uh, we're going to go through a few types of the checklists that are covered in that document. Number one, we mentioned onboarding. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first 30 to 60 days out of the gate with a new client is super important. You're setting the stage for what this relationship is going to look like. Is it riddled with errors? Or does it represent high-level personal service? We'd rather it be the latter, and you can document a lot of that in, uh, in an onboarding checklist. Can I read a few of our onboarding yeah. uh, uh, checklist uh, items here? So this is in our onboarding checklist. Um, so you can it starts with send a welcome email, outlining process about the team, meeting agenda, directions, parking. Second, it says mail handwritten note expressing appreciation. Next, mail new client gift. 
Send small gift to referrer if applicable. Add to birthday holiday holiday card list. Add email to newsletter. Connect on LinkedIn. Set up online account access. Enter all information to CRM. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going. But these are all these little things that you know you should should be doing when you have a new client, and they're they're easy to forget one or two. So if you don't go through that and you don't check off every time you have a new client, and go through that actual list. Is it conceivable that you forget to connect with them on LinkedIn? It's conceivable yeah. that you miss the step of rewarding the referrer. Mm-hmm. Um, there, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of little things in there that add up to a big, nice impression. I, I totally agree. Um, you know, the 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 um, the opposite of that is offboarding, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So when you lose a client, you should probably have a process in terms of um, what you go through, and you know, um, to maybe uncover some feedback. To make sure that they're you know disconnected in a number of different ways, they're still not maybe maybe you do want them to get your newsletter still, but there's a lot of things there that you could go through. Um, you should have a process around it. Discovery meetings. Mm-hmm. There ought to be a process for not only conducting the meeting but preparing for it and following up on it as well. Yes. Uh, client review meetings. Same thing there, and this is something that you do all the time, right? Um, and, and I think that's. I think that's the trap that we get caught into. Like we, we do onboarding meetings or not onboarding, but our client review meetings all the time. So mm-hmm. do we really need a checklist for that? Well, if you want to raise your game when it comes to that thing, you know, th- that particular item, then you probably should have a checklist. So you don't forget all the little things that make it an exceptional experience. So let's, let's think about that example for a second, Kevin, let's say you're having review meetings, but in this year, one of your big initiatives is to talk with people about the protection they have, the, the insurance policies they have. Mm-hmm. If you've got that on your checklist, you're going to be more likely to bring that up in various conversations. Yeah. Maybe that initiative is for you to uncover more names, sourcing names from your key contacts. Maybe one of your initiatives is to um, get more feedback. Get more feedback yep. from clients. Maybe it's to meet more of their family members. There's a lot of little mini objectives that ought to be a part of every review meeting. If you've got that in a checklist, you're more likely to take action. Great. Um, another one here, this one's actually a marketing related checklist. I mean, you could say marketing slash loyalty, and this would be related to client, um, events, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So small, intimate, or, or even educational events. There's so much planning that goes into that and there's, it's easy to miss some steps. Um, so one of the things that we provide, um, is, you know, basically a four step process with different checklists for each of the, of the steps, um, when it comes to hosting and following up on intimate events. Checklist for market volatility. Mm, Sometimes we get caught off guard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and we saw this back in 08-09 when some advisors handled market volatility and the communication, the outreach to their clients a lot better than others. And so does it make sense for you as a team? We would argue yes, it does. Mm -hmm. To have a volatility checklist that when there is an X percent correction or when there is something else that signals there's going to be some concern on the part of our clients about what's happening in the markets that we have a plan of attack that might include divvying up who's responsible for which subset of clients, Mm -hmm. divvying up who's responsible for making outreach calls. Should we put in place some educational summits to teach everybody about what's happening? You know, there's some things that if you pre-plan for it, make a heck of a lot of sense and you're going to be out of the gate multiple weeks faster than most of your competitors. I think that's the key thing, right? It's like you're going to be you know, able to reach out right away. You have a game plan in place as opposed to like, hey, what should we do? Let's sit around and talk about it. No, we know what to do, so let's execute the checklist. Um, another one here that we recommend is sending COI referrals, right? So again, this is a marketing-related one, but whenever you send a COI referral, you want to get maximal, maximum referral credit, uh, and you'd want a checklist around how to go about doing that. 
Yeah, so as opposed to just referring out, hey, Kevin, you ought to call this person. They're a great accountant. Yeah. I may have on my checklist that I first notify the accountant that this referral may be coming. Mm-hmm. I communicate with Kevin about the, the importance of meeting with this professional. If Kevin's a big client of mine, I may escort him to that professional to meet mm-hmm. with him. I'm going to follow up weeks and months later to make sure everything's going well. It's more involved than a simple handoff referral if we want to get the most credit out of it. Uh, another checklist uh, that, that we have included in our guide and actually came from a recommendation from one of our, our coaching clients was a pipeline review checklist, mm-hmm. right? It's really easy to look at your pipeline and just kind of think about, oh, what should I do next with this person? This actually gives you ideas for what you should do with each person and where they, based on where they are in the sales process. So those are some of our, our favorite types of checklists. Um, you don't have to have all of them and you might, there's, and this is not all inclusive. There's some that we're probably missing that may be more important to your business, but the key is consistency. Yeah. And so when you think about how to get started with this, it may start with an audit of your current checklist or standard operating procedures. If you have them where you and the team sit around and say, all right, what do we have? Let's print them all out. Let's look at them. Which of these are we actually using? Maybe some need to be updated. And which ones do we need to build out as a team? Now, I'm thinking about getting started with this. Some of these, you shouldn't be the point person on setting it up. If you're the team leader, in some cases, this, if it's more of an administrative task, True. should be started by somebody else. They should take the lead on developing this and keeping it current. But if you set a target date of 30 days out or 60 days out, we're going to everybody take an assignment of two standard operating procedures or two checklists. We're going to meet and go through these. You'll make a lot of progress. I like that a lot. So we, we have um, a, c- a couple of things here. One, if you want access to this as well as a number of other tools, you'll need to join the Oxley Learning Center, um, 99 bucks a month and uh, well worth it. You'll get access to a, a number of exclusive materials. Um, second is we're, we're going to do a giveaway, right? We ha- we're going to give away our onboarding checklist. How do they get access to that, Stephen? Uh, www. Actually, <laughs> you know, when, it, when anyone, whenever I'm talking to anyone and they start H-T-T-P. off, HTTP, when they start off with www, I'm thinking this person is not very tech savvy. That's like immediately what goes through my head. Let me restart for those of you out there taking notes. Uh, HTTP, uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, oxley.com slash onboarding checklist. Yeah. And you'll get a free copy. So thanks for joining everybody. If you haven't already subscribe to our YouTube channel, we would appreciate it. Thanks for joining.